you're listening to PS Tape Recorder, although it is digital, and I did bring that up to him, okay, and he got very defensive about it, I'm T.J. Miller. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Anthony DeVito. I went to college, got a bachelor's degree in architecture, um, was kind of going down that route, and loved architecture, but just knew um, that I wanted to do comedy more than I wanted to do anything else. A fun and interesting chat with Anthony. It's always nice to talk to a comedian we haven't talked to before. And Anthony, of course, is a star on the rise, so they can find it a really fun chat. We have a song of the week coming up from Tiny Magnetic Pets. Uh, it is electronic music, and if you're a fan of that, and even if you're not, uh, I think you'll really enjoy that. But first, of course, as always, we have a dumb bit. Yes, it's another installment of... What kind of nonsense is that? So we've been, you know, pretty, uh, pretty critical, pretty hard on the uh, the president, and uh, this does involve the president, but it's not really the, he's not really the the butt of the joke this time. Uh, more so, it's those who are enamored of him. I will explain. Of course, um, of course, we could have done a lot of things about the president. Uh, the uh, rally in Phoenix, which was supposed to be oh well, we could just go on and on. But anyway, we're going to focus on the eclipse. We had the eclipse in North America this past week. Well, mostly it was across the United States. I think it went right from Oregon down through the Carolinas. And um, if you were like in Mexico or Canada, you only saw a part of it. And that's because America is the greatest country on earth. And, and you folks overseas, you don't you don't get to see eclipses. No. Um, uh, so you, you may have seen, of course, all the warnings and they tell, you know, don't look at the sun, don't look at the sun, don't look at the sun. And of course, what did our president do? Well, of course. Now, in fairness, a lot of people I work with we're going to steal a quick peek. And I looked at it for a second only to see where it was in the sky so I could aim this little viewer I made that ended up not working. Um, but, uh, and of course, you're not supposed to stare at it during an eclipse because I think the parts of the sun that are showing then become that much more intense. But anyway, so of course, there's that picture you probably saw of the president looking off the balcony at the White House, looking right up at the sun. And uh, while most people would find that dangerous, and most people would, would find that as something you should not do. Uh, Tucker Carlson of Fox News had a very different opinion. Even the president saw it, but in a move that is not a complete surprise, he looked directly at the sun without any glasses. Perhaps the most impressive thing any president's ever done. So uh, I bet you can guess what I'm going to do now, don't you? And I, I'm even, I'll spot you. Uh, you know, people like Barack Obama and, and Jimmy Carter and, and JFK and FDR. I'll spot you all the Democrats who have said and done great things. And I'll play you these two clips of things I think might be just a little bit more impressive than staring directly at the sun during an eclipse. Here's one. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Dutch Reagan in front of the, uh, I believe he was in front of the Brandenburg Gate there in Berlin, uh, compelling then-Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down the Berlin Wall. And uh, then, of course, uh, this is another uh, great one, and one I didn't realize was so great really until uh, more recently. I mean, meaning, you know, as I, I got older, I always thought that uh, Dwight Eisenhower was just kind of this, you know, uh, brilliant military guy, that, but they kind of put in as president and then kind of like, 
as with Reagan, you know, the, the things kind of ran behind the scenes. But Eisenhower was way, way smarter and way more clever as a politician even than people give him credit for. Uh, particularly, uh, you know, at his very last speech, his farewell speech, uh, when he was turning over the keys uh, of the House to John F. Kennedy, he gave, of course, his very famous farewell speech in which he said this. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. So I'm not sure which of those three things you find more impressive. <laughs> Calling out uh, the military-industrial complex and warning people uh, about something that would have an effect on us for generations to come. And boy, how right was Dwight D. Eisenhower. And uh, Ronald Reagan, even if you don't like him, still standing up for the Soviets and compelling them, you know, to tear down a wall and open up Eastern Europe, which, you know, through uh, their own ineptness. But still, I think Reagan had, you know, Reagan kind of got that little, that less push over the cliff, as they say in Spinal Tap. Uh, and then, of course, Donald Trump looking at the sun. Now, you can decide which of those things are the most impressive. Tucker Carlson sure has his opinion. He looked directly at the sun without any glasses. Perhaps the most impressive thing any president's ever done. Which leads me to say, what kind of nonsense is that? Anthony DeVito is a stand-up comedian originally from New Jersey, uh, northern New Jersey, right across the river there from New York City. Imagine that. And uh, he is a rising star in the comedy scene, and uh, I think you're really going to enjoy our chat with Anthony DeVito. Hello, Hello Anthony. Hey, how It's Pia from City Pages. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, good. Um, I just woke up uh, <laughs> like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> there you go. Life of a comedian. Yeah. Well, I had this um, this writing uh, gig. I'm doing a sports show with Sam Morrell on MSG. It's like a regional sports network yeah, right yeah. here. Yep. And yeah, so like we taped so early. We taped at like 8 in the morning. Oh. Um on Mondays and Wednesdays, and we usually like write on Sundays and Tuesdays, but we're both gone tomorrow. So, uh, like five ten, I had the luxury of just uh, <laughs> like being able to stay up late and sleeping in, and I did. I took full advantage of that. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah. I know we have a lot of mutual friends on Facebook. I noticed. Um, where are you from originally? Uh, originally, I'm from uh, North Jersey, and okay. then, uh, but I started in New York. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're a tri-state guy there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm, I'm actually in Cincinnati, even though this will be from Minneapolis. So um, I know, like, I think I think you're friends with Sam Evans, who's from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Sam. Yeah, and uh, so I know a lot of the Cincinnati guys, and I know a lot of the Minneapolis right. guys by extension. Um, uh, Cy Edmondson, even though he's mad at me for some reason. I think because his oh, buddy... I think cause yeah, his, his, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, his buddy Steve Brody hates me. That's why he's mad at me. But anyway, but I know I'm friendly with most of the Minneapolis guys, in any case, um, by extension from Cincinnati. And then, um, you know, some of the guys in Pittsburgh as well and and things like that. I got right. a, a buddy to stand up there, Mike Travers. So, um, yeah. So I'm... Uh, and I've kind of become friendly with other comedians that aren't connected to Cincinnati. Emily Winter, I interviewed her for... Uh, 
an article about oh, that Trump yeah, show she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's great. Yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely woman, and uh, yeah. she's a lot of fun. So, um, so were you always interested in comedy growing up in Jersey, or was it something like you were the funny guy and people said you should be on a stage somewhere? How did all that come together? Oh no, I was. Um, I was like a weird. I, uh, yeah, it was interesting comedy for sure. Um, growing up, there's a comedy club in uh, West Orange, New Jersey called Rascals, which is no longer around. But um, one of my aunts growing up, one of her good friends was a waitress there, and uh, we would go like once a year. And I was just so impressed by it, and I was so enamored with it. And then um, we took a family vacation when I was in eighth grade to Las Vegas, uh, and you know I. I couldn't go to I couldn't go to an in a casino or anything. So my mom surprised me with uh, tickets to George Carlin at Valley, and it was like the coolest thing I've ever. Like I was I was amazed, um, and uh, I just I don't know. I knew I wanted to do it. I knew it was like a thing that really interested me, but I was so shy. <laughs> I was like drippingly shy growing up, and um, I you know I wasn't like the funny guy uh, in class. I was just more the guy who was like writing um, private things that I would show my friends and be like, "Isn't this funny?" And they'd be like, "It's kind of weird." And I'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh, it wasn't until I think college where there was like other sort of um, somewhat like-minded people where they were more encouraging, and they weren't like, "Yeah, I grew up in like North Jersey," you know, what right. I mean? like the funny, the funny kid is the bully. Uh, so like in college they were like you're funny and I was like oh really like <laughs> I thought it was strange huh. um, great <laughs> that's great news <laughs> um, so uh, yeah I always wanted to do it and then eventually I went to college got a bachelor's degree in architecture um, was kind of going down that route and loved architecture but just knew um, that I wanted to do comedy more than I wanted to do anything else and then moved to New York when I was uh, 27 or 28 and within a year, um, I, I, pretty soon after we start, started improv, and then within a year of that, I started doing stand-up, and then um, the rest was just kind of history. So do you still do improv? Uh, no, I just don't have the time. Nothing against improv. Right. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I would love to. I mean, I, I thought it was like incredibly helpful and uh, very enjoyable. But, uh, yeah, I just don't have the time to... You know, join a team or go to an improv jam or anything. <laughs> yeah, it is a time demand. It's kind of like it's like being in a rock band with a bunch of guys. You got to rely on other people, which is always yeah, exactly. Stand up, um, yeah, stand up is just me. Yeah, improv exactly. It is. It is like that. You know, getting practices together, doing all those things. Also, too, I just like felt bad because I would get nervous at improv, and then I would ruin scenes, <laughs> and then the whole, everybody's ruined. You know? Yeah. <laughs> With stand-up, I fail, but I fail on my own terms. It's like, it's all on me. Improv made me feel too guilty about uh, uh, just messing up. Yeah, somebody was saying, uh, 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 Pat Francis, who does the Rock Solid podcast, he's a former stand- stand-up comedian, he was saying, you know, in comedy, if you mess up, everybody knows it, but if, if you're in a band and you miss a note, eh, you know, it probably flies right by, nobody notices. Yeah, improv, they definitely notice. That's for sure. Uh, comedy is just... Tell me so much more, like, um, immediately, uh, yes or no. Whereas, like, in a band, like, yeah, you flub the note, and someone's like, yeah, that was weird, we finished the song, and, you know, people kind of forget about the note, but with a comedy, when a joke bombs, you're sitting in that bomb. Uh, especially in improv, you can't address it. 
they just have to keep being a British scientist. Uh, meanwhile, like, you know, the world's like on sale, you know, you, whatever. Uh, but with stand up, you could be like, hey, that sucked, or whatever. And the crowd's like, it did suck. This guy's get this. He's a normal person. They <laughs> probably can't say any of that. So, do you bring some of your kind of improv sensibilities, though, into your stand up? I know some people do, some people don't. Some people just do it something entirely. Uh, yeah, not really. Like, um, it, it'll happen every now and again where, uh, you know, but you just like, have those moments. Or, you know, you're like, oh, whoa, I'm able to riff, I'm off the cuff, I'm in the moment, this is yeah. and, uh And and I think those, those, like, you know, improv years or whatever probably lent itself to those moments, but I don't uh, overtly notice them. But, no, for the most part, uh, I'm pretty um, tied to my joke. Um, not robotic, but yeah. um, for the most part, yeah. So when you say that you're, you're busy with other things, so the, the, the sports program we're working on, what, what else do you have going uh, yeah, mainly um, the uh, yeah, mainly the sports show with Sam, and uh, I got my podcast, the Rad Dude Cast, takes up uh, a little bit of time, and then uh, I'm trying to I got a couple things like cooking that I uh, I, I don't even I guess you're not like supposed to talk about this stuff until like they yeah that's <laughs> so I just have those things like um, cooking, and then uh, I, I'm, I'm you know. Girlfriends, county mother, uh, eczema. I, you know, I got a lot going on that uh, I got to deal with. <laughs> but, um, fucking, yeah, I'm trying to develop, like, some kind of a scripted sitcom uh, based on my grandmother's relationship um, with the guy that she uh, met in the nursing home. Oh, neat. Um, and, yeah, so I'm, just, I'm just trying to write that. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not talking to anybody or anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to do it, really. Okay. Has that been a challenge yeah. to kind of dive into that? And uh, have you ever done anything like that before? Yeah, I never really done anything like that before. And um, it's just a, it's like when you start anything new, and there's just you know there's growing pains. There's uh, you don't really know. It's stand up. Like I know what I'm doing. I know how I do things. But with a scripted show, I, I don't a hundred percent know. Um, so it's just like figuring out the baby steps initially. Um, so it's like a stop-start kind of thing. But, I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's a different kind of writing. But, um, yeah, more of that. So have you watched a, like, a lot of sitcoms lately to kind of see what kind of thing? Because the sitcom structure is so different now than it was back, yeah. you know, back in the day. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's so much, it seems so much more loose now. Um, and it doesn't really need to follow, like, you know, A plot, B plot, B plot. I don't know, B plot. I don't really know how many plots there are. But like, however many that there are, um, it seems like uh, you can make it more unique in your own vision now, which is really cool. I feel like Willie had a lot to do with that. The fact that it was like so, um, I guess, uh, off the beaten path uh, structure-wise, and then it became so popular. So uh, that you know enables people like Atlanta's, you know, uh, very different in terms of like a traditional sitcom. So yeah, I don't know what route I want to go with it because I don't I don't think I know enough like where I could be like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna break the box or whatever the hell it's called. So I just woke up to some of the terminology. Oh, yeah. It's like I don't, I don't think that's the term break the box. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. Let's let's get that. Let's make that a thing. Yeah, yeah let's get let's break get the that, box. Let's get that going across the country. Break the box. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Like so, I, I don't know that I know enough to sort of do that. So I'll probably you know stick to. Um, but it's really, I guess, like whatever works for the tone of the show. So 
uh, I'm just trying to make it funny and make it compelling. And then um, if, you know, whatever, I don't know, multi-cam, single cam, however it goes, to kind of just match the, the tone of, like, the joke um, with that. But uh, I don't even know your initial question. I just start talking in circles. What no, was it again? Right. It was a good question. Well, no, I got a, a follow-up though. Would would be uh, as far as the writing process goes. Uh, are you finding it's a lot like stand-up, where kind of writing is rewriting, or are you getting things once an idea has gelled? Are you able to move on quickly? Because I know some people, especially musicians, they'll like listen to a song right. and go, "Yeah, this has got to be mixed again," or "This is guy have to add something here." And then other people are like, "Nope, that's when it's done. It's done." Like a Billy Joel approach. I got to write ten songs. Here's ten songs done. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it's like, it's like constant rewriting. Uh, it's yeah, it's more. Um, it was yeah, it's like writing and then you know going to sleep, putting it away, and being like, that was. I think that's all good stuff, and then waking up the next day and being like, oh, this is all garbage. What was I thinking? <laughs> uh, and with stand up, I can go out and try that joke that night, and the crowd can be like, no, that's not very funny. I can go great. Now I'll, I'll do another joke. Um, but with something like this uh i'm just relying on myself and then uh, like a few other you know friends uh that i'll send it to and then you know rewrite and edit or whatever but it's in like the very early stages so uh, that's cool so what, yeah. are you, what are you talking about on stage these days um what am i talking about on stage uh you know kind of similar uh, uh similar things that i guess that i've talked about like in my album just like all autobiographical stuff uh I know a little bit about, you know, my mom, um, some comedy stories uh, that kind of happened that were pretty funny, and then a little bit of, uh, you know, the world outside of me. I'm really, I'm trying to take a stab at that, <laughs> but, like, that's, like, I don't know, I, I, I don't ever want to be too preachy, and I also know my limitations as a, uh, uh, the, my mind, um, in terms of, like, I don't, I'm not, like, terribly informed. I got a couple ideas. But also, you know, I feel weird if the country is on fire and I'm up there talking about brand muffins. Yeah. So I'm taking my thumb, like, stabs at it, uh, but uh, not too much uh, about it. Because, like, too much, it just kind of bums me out. And it's also it's just not my wheelhouse. It's not what I write about that gets me the most excited. But some elements of it I do get excited about. But I am as, like, sort of a challenge trying to... Uh, to do that. Yeah, it seems that's what a lot of comics I've talked in the past year have said, even the ones that have never done political stuff, they'll, they'll say, well, you got to say like one or two things because it is so pervasive. But then other yeah, people... Yeah, ex exactly. Like, I mean, more than anything, I want it to be funny. So like, even if I have a good point, if I can't figure out a way to make that good point funny, it's useless to me. So it's always funny first. And then, um, you know, if a point follows alongside it, great. But it's usually derived out of some kind of a like visceral reaction, so usually the point is kind of inherent in it. But uh, yeah, it's like nothing too divisive because that's the thing. It's like with him, um, which I actually think is good. I think it makes for like a well-rounded, able to hear both sides sort of a person. Is that like yeah, like I need to you know my jokes need to work in Brooklyn, but yeah, they also need to work in Tallahassee. So yeah. they can't be incredibly divisive. And if they are taking one side, they have to keep the other side in mind if that joke's going to land. Because like. You know, I got to do 45, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and you want every, you know, on every minute of that set to go well. Yeah, and another thing I hear, too, is that um, the folks that aren't doing a lot of the political jokes are more of the mind, like, well, heck, people are hearing that so much 
you know, this it's a nice break to come in for, you know, 45 minutes totally. and, and not hear about oh. that. Oh, absolutely. If you, if that is uh, sort of what you do, um, man, that's all, like, like if you're, I don't think Jim Gaffigan is going to take a shot at it. You know what I mean? Like, right. he, he's so good. He's so adept at just writing um, observation, not just, but, you know, he's, he's just so skilled at observational jokes um, that it's like, yeah, uh, of course. And that's such relief from what's happening. Um, my approach so far, it's just kind of been more of a writing challenge to myself than anything to just see not only if I could do it, but if I can do it in a way that I care about. Because if I don't really care about, like, if I think it's too boring or too preachy or it's just not funny enough, then I have really no reason um, for my, this is a just personal perspective, to do it on stage. So it's been more of like a writing exercise than anything. And uh, you said, you mentioned the album. How long has the album been out? The album has been out since uh, last Friday. Okay. Oh, it just um, came out. Okay. And what's the title? Uh, Dream Occupation. Oh, cool. All right. And uh, and the title is derived from, is it from one of the bits or uh, kind of your former vocational yeah, aspirations? It was, uh, yeah, it's kind of a twofold. Yeah, like um, I definitely um, I, I definitely do consider uh, doing stand-up uh, Dream Occupation. And then that is also uh, comes out in a bit. But it doesn't have anything to do with stand-up. It's just... Uh, it's in a bit somewhere. Yeah, okay. That's cool. And available all the usual places, I, I imagine. Yeah. Um, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play. I think it's on Pandora and Sirius. Cool. Um, yeah. And uh, so have you been getting to do uh, the tour more now um, outside of New York City, or are or, or these other projects kind of keeping you close to, to, to New York? No, it's been, um, it's been really bad. It really has been the dream come true of, like, uh, I did the late show with Stephen Colbert in March, and then ever since then, I've, I've been, it's been pretty steady that I've been on the road like a couple weekends out of the month, and um, not just like within the tri-state area. Uh, it's been amazing. And are you enjoying uh, traveling across America? I am. I, I really do. I, I like um, I like it in the road, just in terms of like I, my whole day. I don't have I don't really usually I don't know anybody when I go to the places. So it's a nice break from uh, my normal life in terms of like I can get a lot done on the road, and then once the shows are over, they're over, and then I just kind of I just kind of go home, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like a it, it, it's solitary. I couldn't do it for like you know I don't know two weeks to a month. I would you know go a little stir crazy, and I'm and I love all the people in my life, but um, I'm so accessible to them. Uh, so it's nice to kind of have a break from that, and then come coming back to it is also um, nice as well. That's cool. Do you, are your travels kind of inspiring your comedy at all? Seeing kind of different things and situations, or is like you said, it's you know, you're it's got to play in every place, so it's you know, kind of the same. Yeah, I try, I try to keep a, an open mind uh, to the you know wherever I'm going and you know what's around me. So some stuff filters in, and if it's funny enough, it'll make the cut. Uh, but I, I'm not like actively uh, being like, okay, like I've been to Edmonton. <laughs> well, I've got something to say about the people of Edmonton now. Like, it's just more of a, if something enters into the fold that I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. I think I can write about that, and that uh, is something that everyone everywhere um, could relate to. I'll do it. 
Yeah, it, it's. I can't remember what comedian it was. It was someone from the U.S. that went up and played uh, Rick Bronson's place up there in Edmonton, and he said he. Right. It, was, it was in the middle of the winter. It was like January, February, and he said he literally had to take a cab across the street to a place. He, he oh, went out, it was so yeah. cold. Yeah. There was a, just, a Joe Zimmerman, I think, in in rumors oh, in Winnipeg. That might. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was it. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember someone and, told and me that. I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, like, yeah. I just know that because I just played rumors in Winnipeg, and it's a great club, and the town's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but in the winter, I think it gets to like negative. I think no joke, like 130. Or oh something yeah, like yeah. That. The, they're like the wind chill. Yeah. Proud of how cold they get. Yep. And the and um yeah, I think like. The where the where the condo is, there's like uh, you know there's you know a mall across the street, but it was like too cold. So I think like they they took a cab. Um, I think it was Joe that took a cab from the condo to the mall yeah. to go see a movie or something like that. Yeah, it's just like impossible. At that yeah, point. that's so funny. Well, great, man. Yeah. Uh, well, continued success to you. Um, well, that this will probably drop either this Sunday or next. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know. And then the print piece in City Pages, of course, will run the week that you're up there in print and online, so you can access both. And uh, cool. we'll, we'll tell people to check out the album. I'll, we'll link to that on the on the homepage of the podcast. And hope to see you in Cincinnati sometime. Yeah, man. I love Cincinnati. Great. Thanks, cool, man. All right. Talk to you later. All right, man. All right, bye-bye. Have a good one. Thanks again to Anthony DeVito for being on the show. You can catch Anthony September 12th through the 16th at the Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. If you go to his website, anthonydevito.com, his uh, dates are not updated. The last one he has on there is uh, just for Last Festival, which is up there in Montreal about a month ago or so. But uh, keep checking back. He'll probably update his dates. Or if you just see him at your local comedy club, but uh, the listing's there, uh, be sure to go check him out. And that takes us to the Song of the Week. Song of the Week is from a group called Tiny Magnetic Pets. They are a, uh, an electronic trio from Ireland. They are going to be opening for Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark on uh, their tour of England. And I think they're going to be going on to the continent a little bit uh, through the fall. And hopefully maybe we'll see them in North America in 2018 when OMD come over here. But uh, Tiny Magnetic Pets have just released their album this past Friday. Uh, it, it really sounds a lot like old OMD, I'm going to say, like, really old OMD, like circa, you know, uh, OMD Mark One, like, Architecture Morality era OMD, and uh, I'm not sure what the single is or promoting off of this one. I like the last track on the album a lot, but then uh, I reckon I'd probably play the first song on the album, Lost My Guiding Light, because this is probably the song they're going to want to promote, and uh, it is very cool. It is our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder, uh, so let's... Get this a running star, Tiny Magnetic Pets. Lost my guiding light, PS tape recorder. So long and thanks for listening. 